Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier. I am here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic. Today is going to be a great conversation because we are going to answer the listeners' questions. So we've compiled five or six questions that have come up over the last few weeks, uh, and we're going to go over those and give you some insights and some context, some really great questions coming back from you guys. Um, So just super excited to do that. But I want to start off today with mentioning that our next challenge event registration is live. And what that means is you guys need more information. So you can go to the show notes. Um, you can click on the link that will bring you to the registration page and get you all the information about the details on the next fasting challenge. Tommy, I want to highlight a couple of things. And then we're going to transition right into one of our listeners' questions. And this comes from Patty. And she actually is a success story from our most recent challenge that we did back in June. So it's really cool to see the overlap and these things kind of come to to life in real time. So um, the next challenge is actually on July 25th. It is a challenge that starts uh, on the 25th of July and goes all the way through the week to the following Saturday, the 31st. And Mm -hmm. I am super excited because our previous challenges <clears throat> that we've done, uh, I mean, we've taken how many thousands of people through challenges now? It's just incredible to look back. But um, every time we do one, we want to level up the next one. We want to improve. We want to get the feedback. So we send out surveys and we listen and we question and we pretty much try to have a touch point with each and every person that's come through. And this next challenge is really cool because we've actually been able to level up the delivery. So instead of the results coming in 10 days, we can actually get you the results in seven days. And some of you might be thinking, I have no idea what that means. That sounds like voodoo. Um, so I want to, I kind of want to unpack it here and then use Patty's example and her question that she posed in our group to kind of unpack this for them. Yeah, what we've been experimenting with over the last few challenges and what we've been leveling up is uh, within the actual format um, for the content, for how we deliver it, the the touch points that we go through day by day, and the accountability that we, uh, we've we actually built into the whole program. So um, all those things kind of combined um, has 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 taken it from, from a level of, of needing a, a longer amount of time to get uh, amazing results for a lot of folks. Um, to needing a little bit less time, which is really cool um, because um, I, I, I think that 10 days can be tough to to kind of mentally commit to. So if right. you can make mental commitment to a seven day stretch to just, you know, um, put preconceptions uh, at the door, you know, leave leave some baggage behind, um, open up your mind a little bit and just, you know, set your set your schedule for the next seven days instead of the next 10. Um, we can show you some phenomenal things that are going to be really cool, really eye opening for a lot of folks. 
And, um, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of long-term results uh, piggybacking off of what started um, right from a challenge. Yeah. So let's start with Patty's example, and then we'll move into her question that deals around with how do I plan for a vacation when there is no plan? Mm-hmm. So Patty, appreciate the question. We're going to end there, but I want to start with your first post from our last uh, challenge, which was on June 7th that said, almost quit before I started. Lots of outside noise in my life right now, then decided that may be the best reason to jump in. Even mm-hmm. decided to go with the advanced schedule. There's nothing scary there. Okay. Mm-hmm. We only use fasting windows from 16 up to about 36, sometimes 48 hours, nothing crazy. We're not not eating for seven or 10 days. We have food almost every single day. So don't worry. That's one of the biggest concerns. Is this a seven day fast? No, absolutely not. And she went on to say, so she chose the advanced schedule and she put, I'm so glad I did exclamation point, just finished dinner after a 22 hour fast. And I feel great. How have I not known this? We can do this exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. So that was on day one of the challenge. And that was one of the comments that got the most, one of the, some of the most feedback, there was tons of likes and, and, and just engagement on that post. Mm-hmm. And Tommy, I want to fast forward to on June 13th, which is the end, right? And one of the things that we do is we use hashtags for engagement. So hashtag win yeah. for you elder folk out there, like, uh, you know, I'm an 81 model hashtag <laughs> is the pound sign on the phone hashtag win. So I was one of, this is her post. I was one of the ones that was seeing hardly any change lost two pounds, gained one back. So if that doesn't resonate with the majority of people listening, I don't know what does. And it's not all about weight loss during these challenges. It is absolutely about the healthy relationship with food, the long-term planning, the sustainability, but it's good to get some wins, right? So we're in the beginning of the challenge. She's like, man, I just wasn't seeing it. And then she goes dot, dot, dot. But as of this morning, I've lost eight pounds and three inches in my waist. She threw in a hashtag decide this is my chance to change my health and my life. And I've decided to take it hashtag, just do it. So Patty, incredible, incredible, incredible results in a short seven days. So, um, just amazing eight pounds, three inches, a whole new mindset. And Tommy, that leads to her question. Now, um, giving an update on Patty, um, she posted in our group, how do I navigate vacation when I can't set a schedule? And she, she's lost 21 pounds since that faithful day on June 7th that she took the leap, even mm-hmm. though life was crazy. Yep. And um, now she's, you know, just over a month in and about to go on vacation. And I love her question. You know, what do I do if I can't set a schedule? Yeah, because that's an important one, because, you know, what we're going for here is not flash in the pan. It's not about those seven or 10 days. Um, right. It's not about just the, the challenge or, or where we start. It's where we're going to end up, where we're where we're aiming towards uh, long term. And so here she is, you know, about to go on a week long vacation, um, a little bit of, of anxiety, probably a little trepidation here about, um, you know, w- what what do I do to not give give that back? And how do I kind of keep moving forward? Um, and what's our experience with doing one meal a day doing just kind of a, a an unplanned situation planning to eat once per day on each of those vacation days. So, you know, when, when we when we do that, um, we want to be careful with a few things on vacation. One is that we oftentimes find ourselves in more social situations or find ourselves in more restaurants than we might in our normal kind of day-to-day living, right? And right. so, uh, you know, another thing to do is is to go, okay, well, 
can there be any sort of, of a plan um, at all? Do we know of any non-negotiable things while we're on vacation, any special restaurants or special get-togethers and things like that? And we can kind of reverse engineer as well, you know, put, put those highest priority things first and then work our way backwards from there. Yeah. So we call those non, uh, non-negotiables, right? So like mm-hmm. our, our date nights and some of the family things that we have going on and whatnot in our own personal lives. So the non-negotiables. So I know there's, you know, on vacation, uh, if you're like me, you're going to want to plan more. But uh, Patty, if I recall about you, you're actually the anti-planner because it creates more anxiety and you don't really care for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, <laughs> um, I think that's my wife and I too. We kind of are opposites in that. So the, the blend of us together, we get a nice easygoing kind of planned schedule. As long as we talk about it ahead of time, I'm good. And as long as it's not too strict and rigid, she's good. So um, the non-negotiables go in first, right? So, you know, uh, I can just think back to, you know, our honeymoon that we took, we were young and didn't really know what we we're doing. So we went to the resort and we're like, yeah, we're going to go to the steakhouse on Friday night. Well, you should go to the steakhouse on Monday night when it's not so busy. Right. Anyway, put in your non-negotiables, put in those things. But here's the perspective that I want to zoom out a little bit with is, you know, when we're looking about the long game versus the quick fix, which is the, I want to lose weight during the challenge versus, is this sustainable for me long-term? Like we need to keep our sights on the months and years after we reach our goal weight Mm -hmm. and what you want that picture to look like. And you really do need to put some planning to that. And it doesn't need to be rigid planning, right? Losing weight isn't difficult uh, in the short term. It's adjusting to the new you and the new habits over the long term. So that's why I love Patty's question because she's coming up to the first point where she has the ability to revert back Mm-hmm. and make the journey harder or right. set some intentional boundaries and continue to move forward. And, and the word I want to remove from is I can't set a schedule. What that says to me is, well, I'm going to let the restaurant schedule, the people I'm traveling with, the airlines and all of the external sources control my results and sure. control my experience where I want to encourage everyone listening that you have control and, mm-hmm. you know, just that's why I like the concept of, yeah, give yourself some flexibility, give yourself some love during vacation to make sure that you're going to enjoy it, but don't go to the 24 hour, all you can eat pizza bar, you know, right. on the cruise ship, right? Like put some boundaries and intentionality in there, but don't be too rigid as well. Sure. Absolutely. And if there's something that you want to experience it, um, but it, it's something that's maybe accessible every single day, put it towards the end of the trip and say, you know what? That that amazing like make your own cookie bar or something you know something like that. Oh, you can eat crab legs, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it looks amazing, but it's available every single day. Okay, well, wait till till the last day or the second to last day. You know, right? Um, but put some boundaries on it. You know, and and the other thing is for um for for just that that matter of um I can't I can't really make the schedule just yet. Well, give yourself some some kind of built in boundaries and built in flexibility. Why don't you tell your uh, why don't you you write it down onto a schedule to um, to pick your own one hour window or two hour eating window for each of those days that you're there, and then depending on what actually comes up while you're actually on the vacation, then you can you can choose where during the day that needs to go. But you but you you have a plan going in. You have as much of a plan as you can going in, and then right. you just kind of fill in the rest of the details once you get on the trip. Yeah. And the last piece I'll say on this, Patty, and again, just kudos to you and congratulations to you for, and there's so many of you that we don't hear about your journeys Mm -hmm. um, until like you're already at maintenance or you're like, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this for six months. And it's so incredible. So we get to see Patty on the journey and she's still on it with us. 
Um, but the last thought here, and I just appreciate her, her question so much, cause it's such a real life thing. Um, you know, that losing weight should never be the only marker. It's really that, that eating behavior, right. And that importance of the long-term health. And that's one of the things that I've noticed as we've evolved these challenges, Tommy, is that this next one's going to be different because we've revamped the daily check-in process and the accountability. Yeah. Um, we have more time to answer questions and more one-on-one FaceTime, you know, with, with, with us, we've streamlined the content, like you mentioned, day-by-day reviews and worksheets. We have a couple new uh, recipe packs that we're releasing for this next challenge, like a simple five ingredient pack mm-hmm. and a keto one. And if you guys have been listening to us for a while, you know, we don't subscribe to one way of eating um, unless there's a specific goal you're trying to obtain, you know, like diabetes reversal or something like that. There's benefits right. of low carb versus, you know, higher carb in that instance. But um, I really love, uh, you know, rounding out the conversation, you know, with Patty's question is that, you know, the the way um, you know, you really see that long-term change <clears throat> is always by trying to level up your results and level up your experience. So don't get, you can't just have the scale as your only marker. You need to look at the, how much of my fun am I going to have on this darn trip? Wow. Like, where's that balance point of, man, I'm going to enjoy the moment more than the worrying about, did I just gain fat or glycogen? Which is going to be our second question that comes from uh, Vicky, which is really great. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And, um, you know, one last point on Patty, imagine the next time that you're, you're planning the next vacation, how much lower your anxiety is going to be because of the control that you're going to get to practice and exercise during yep. this vacation right here. Um, which is great. Cause that's, that's a uh, happy enjoyment of it is, uh, having the plan and then looking forward to that vacation. It's going to be so much. So awesome just like day one to day seven of the challenge or week one to week five of your journey. So right. it's cool. I love when this stuff kind of plays out. Absolutely. So we'll peek behind the curtain. Tommy and I get together and said, Hey, we've got a lot of questions lately. Let's put them together. And then all these things started to align and we're like, Oh, it's challenge week. Boom. Here we go. Perfect. Mm-hmm. What a perfect segue into Vicky's question, which is um, yesterday I heard that after a fast, the weight that comes back is glycogen, water, fiber, and protein, but not the fat unless you eat junk food. What are your thoughts on that? Definitely a better way to think about weight fluctuations on the scale. There's a lot to unpack there. And I'm not exactly clear on the fiber and protein component, but I want to encourage you, uh, Vicky, that no, you are not going to put on um, the weight that you just lost (laughs) uh, by going and having a meal and then weighing in the next morning. and it's probably not even going to be really the amount of food you had that day or your sleep or your stress. It's really going to be, um, the, the only way for that to happen truly is in to be into, to be into, to be in my goodness, a severe excess intake for a few days in a row before the body really starts storing stuff as fat. So Tommy, if you want to unpack that and land the plane, I really love this question. Yeah, I, I, so do I. And, you know, it's, it's going to vary from day to day and exactly what we, what we eat. But in general, we can kind of think of it like our, our long-term fat stores, um, are, are changing from, from hour to hour based on, on what we just ate and how much, um, energy we're expending as well. But, you know, we don't, we don't typically gain, um, you know, pounds of fat at a time. We typically, it comes and goes in grams and ounces, um, small little fluctuations as we, because you, you can't just eat exactly 
through to the next meal, right? Like you can't, you don't know how many calories you need for the next five hours. It's way hour. too complex of an equation to track that specifically, right. right? Like over the course of days to weeks, it's like your body's doing so much with it. Yeah. And your body doesn't care exactly how many calories you're bringing in. It just says, okay, well, we, we can't get rid of this. So we need to store it as fat. And then when you start to deplete, you know, your, your glycogen, you go through those and you're, you're in a little bit of ketosis. Um, you can start to, to burn off some of those grams and ounces and, and eventually pounds of fat as well. So, you know, so we're always in a state of fluctuation there. Um, but you know, the, the point for her question, I think is that, um, it, it is going to take time. It would take time of, of overeating, overconsumption, taking in more calories than you can actually burn through to, to start accumulating those, those ounces and pounds back as long-term fat stores. So, so there's, so not to, not to be too concerned with, with minute fluctuations in the scale over the next couple of days afterwards. Right. Yeah. And that's what she says too. Definitely a better way to think about the weight fluctuations. So most of it is going to be glycogen water, but the consistency of the fast cycling. So stacking the fast on varied fast times on top of one another is going to keep your glycogen low, which is going to allow your body to get to those fat stores more effectively. So it may take multiple days of excessive intake to increase body fat, but it's also going to take multiple days of staying on track to reduce body fat. So I love your perspective here, Vicky, and I love your question to the group um, because it really opened up, you know, kind of a broader conversation of, of how to look at it, but also physiologically what's truly happening. Um, You know, unless you consume 3,500 extra calories on top of the, (laughs) on top of it all, um, it's still not going to happen immediately. So I love the ability to have that flexibility and know, you know, there are non-scale victories. And that's why I love the Patty conversation, losing weight should never be the only marker. So appreciate the question, Vicky. Appreciate the perspective. What, what you just said there was consistency is key. And whether you want, whether you're going to see change, good change or bad change to happen, it's going to require consistent effort, either like, you know, consistently good or, bad. <laughs> or consistently sticking to your fasting schedule and making yep. progress on that way. One way or the other, you, you know, choose your hard. And, and choose which way you want the scale to move to. Yep. Yep. Love it. All right. Another question here coming in from Thompson 24 exclamation point. This came in on June 9th from, uh, thank you for the five-star review, by the way, on the podcast, uh, will doing OMAD and walking every day help? I think I meant to say work walking every day after work. Um, and I would just want to quote something here. It's called low intensity, steady state cardiovascular activity is the most ideal exercise for all human beings. Now that's a broad statement. Right. So is resistance training and weight training good for everyone? Yes. <laughs> but building lean muscle and putting strain and stress on our muscles and ligaments increases our bone density. And, you know, you can look at different populations, the level of activity of their elderly as they go into the later decades and their overall health metrics. And there's all these correlations, but low intensity, steady state cardiovascular activity is simply walking. So we did an entire, I think episode, maybe Mm -hmm. an episode and a half recently, um, on how, um, beneficial walking is. So simply just walking 30 minutes to 60 minutes per day. And then you add on top of it, walking post meal will has been shown to uh, drastically decrease your blood sugar spike and then your need for your body to produce more insulin, which Mm -hmm. is what fasting really gets to the root cause of the weight gain and the weight loss resistance and the yo-yo dieting and all that kind of stuff 
is getting to not just the calorie side of the equation, but also addressing the hormonal side or the the controllers of the fat storage versus fat burning, which is that insulin and insulin resistance. So um, if you're new to the podcast and some of this stuff is like, what are these guys talking about? Go back, scan the titles, listen to some more episodes. Um, if you want a basic fasting schedule, you can go to our website and sign up for our newsletter, um, thefastingforlife.com. Uh, you can get on our newsletter, you can get the fast start guide, and it'll just show you a couple of basics and some different terminology that we use. Mm-hmm. But I really appreciate this question, Thompson 24 exclamation point, um, that yes, OMAD and uh, walking can be a very good strategy for a um, ideal um, start to your weight loss and health journey. Yeah, OMAD is a phenomenal place to start because with one meal a day, right? I didn't define that, did I? Okay, good. Yeah, I meant to, and then I just skipped right over it. When you remove those snacks and those additional eating or feeding opportunities during the day, and even the breakfast and the lunch, uh, you could literally go from five, six, seven, eight insulin spikes per day down to one. And put on top of that, um, like post meal walking as a consistent thing. And and we, we went through some of the numbers. On that, we could see a, a, like a 15 to up to a, maybe a 30 or 40% reduction in the insulin yep. load, depending on the situation and the intensity of the walking and all that kind of stuff. But yep. um, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. So absolutely, I agree. Yep. Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He's our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the air doctor pro in his room. And I am not joking. When I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night, the second night slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing And the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors, and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money, and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code Fasting for Life. You guys know 
that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. Love it. And do that for two to four weeks and see how your body responds. Um, and then report back. Let us know. Appreciate the review. Appreciate the question. Um, another one here <clears throat> uh, we had come in from hashtag ZIS cold. Uh, this came on March 30th. Thank you again for the five-star review. The love it. Absolutely appreciate you listening. I appreciate all of you listeners as we just hit a huge milestone with half a million downloads. So just incredible, Tommy. Just shout out to all you guys that listen week in and week out. Absolutely. Um, definitely love and appreciation to you. We had no idea. Keep reviewing, keep sharing. That's That apparently tells Big Brother, Apple Podcast, whatever, that we're doing something that people like. <laughs> so we enjoy doing it. So we'd like our voice to continue to be heard. So appreciate that. Uh, hashtag ZIS cold. Um, said, found the podcast. Quick question. Fasting tends to exacerbate my Raynaud syndrome. Is this the coldness Dr. Fung mentions in his book when he discusses calorie deficit diets? Do others experience this during fasting? What can I do to help if so? Um, thanks and keep it up. So this is a, a question that is potentially a little bit out of our scope in terms of a medical diagnosis like Raynaud's, but I want to give a couple 30,000 foot things here directly to your question. No, I do not believe. And I think Tommy, you're in agreement that this is not the coldness that Dr. Fung is mentioning when right. he talks about it in his book, Dr. Fung is talking about your body will, uh, puts it a little additional stress on, uh, on your, on your adrenals and your body doesn't have that food that it's burning off. So the, the, uh, non-exercise, um, uh, I always forget the acronym neat, <laughs> um, non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, thermogenesis. So your body's not burning off that extra. It's not having to go in, burn off that food and that thermic effect of food. Right. Mm -hmm. So you don't have that thermic effect of food either. So your body is literally, um, you know, it just, it's not, it's not burning. So the body temperature will drop where Raynaud's is a very specific condition that has many different causes, um, can be medication induced. It can be cardiovascular blood circulation. <clears throat> there can be some nervous system components. Um, there can also be thyroid involvement, all of these different things. So there's probably a big rabbit hole to go down there, but, you know, have this question coming from someone that has it. Um, my encouragement is there's really no additional harm done by fasting unless it's making it uncomfortable where it's like, I mean, I just can't continue to do this. So, you know, again, it's really that disease process of the blood vessels, which is really hyper responsive to colder stress. So your body temperature coming down, you know, maybe the thing that's triggering it. Um, we have had a few people in the different fasting communities that I'm a part of where I've seen that things like this have actually improved over time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have any insight into that, Tommy, but I've seen it where I was like, yeah, my inflammation's down. I feel better. My circulation's better. My blood pressure's leveled out, those types of things. So my encouragement to you would be, um, first of all, no, it's not the cold that Dr. Fung's referring to. Um, and what I would do is really focus on healthy circulation. So healthy nutrient dense foods that will support healthy circulation. Maybe have a conversation with your provider. 
um, and just, you know, get some more perspective, but also if you really want to adopt fasting and you're seeing results, and this is the only thing that's holding you back, try to just gradually increase your fasting schedule to where, you know, if you typically experience the symptoms at 20 hours, then just hang out at the 18 to 19 hour mark for a few weeks and then add an hour or two over the next couple of weeks and just kind of see how it goes. Yeah, that's great advice. And, um, to, to piggyback, um, or you, you asked if I, if I had any um, support or feedback on there um, or insight rather the, the health of your cardiovascular system and your nervous system. Um, all those, all those markers that, that determine that tend to be there that we have reviewed literature that tends to show improvement based on, on fasting and fasting results. So bringing the weight down and utilizing fasting to improve those other uh, blood markers tends to have a, an improvement, um, on things like cardiovascular health and, and nervous system health as well. So when we, when we look at, at insulin and the long-term effects of prediabetes going into, um, insulin resistance and diabetes, um, those things tend to reverse or, or, or get better with, with fasting over time. And those, those are the same kind of things that could make those symptoms worse in, in something like Raynaud's or something else like that. Yep. 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 So Difficult question to answer might not be the direct answer that you were looking for. <laughs> Hashtag this cold. Um, but do appreciate the question. Hopefully a little bit of additional perspective. Um, and, you know, uh, as, as you and I, Tommy, have started in the realm when, when we first started down the fasting pathway, you know, relying on Dr. Fung's experience as well um, has been, you know, a game changer for us a couple of years ago when we, when we stumbled, well, you stumbled upon fasting and then shared it with me. So mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to the last question today. Uh, and this kind of goes with the, the, the question uh, we answered as well as about OMAD. Um, and this question is from Lindsay, L-I-N-S-E-Y Fox, Lindsay Fox. And this came in on May 18th. Again, thank you for the uh, five-star review. She titled it inspiring and insightful. So thank you so much for the positive feedback. And um, there's a little bit of backstory here. Uh, how she found fasting and um, kind of came to fasting in, in, a, in a position where it's like the only lifestyle change she hadn't tried due to some health related issues and losing the same five to 10 pounds, which is so relatable for so many people. For some people, it's more, some people it's 20 to 30. Mm-hmm. Um, but after listening, she started <clears throat> to be, to do the 24 hour fast and started reading the books by the aforementioned Dr. Fung and surprised how easy it was feeling less bloated, looking, you know, looking forward to the future. But the one nagging question was, um, you know, the, the, she outlines the fact that counting calories doesn't work. Well, it does work, but it only works for, you know, half of the equation. We need to take into the insulin side of the equation and the hormone side of the equation, right. where if you have some insulin resistance, it's more difficult. And the concern comes from, but if I'm only eating one meal a day, am I getting enough nourishment for my body? Mm-hmm. And she tried logging OMAD in my fitness pal. And she even admits that habit's really hard to break. Yeah. And it wouldn't even register because she was under a thousand calories. So is it safe to eat less than a thousand calories every day? So there's a lot to unpack here, Tommy, but I really like the question. Yeah, so do I. And, um, you know, I, I had the same, the same thoughts, the same concerns, uh, when I started, Agreed. you know, and, and I mean, honestly, it's, it's what kept me from just intuitively figuring out fasting for, for all those years. It was like, no, well, I I need to get these certain number of calories and I I have an exact number that I'm, that I'm trying to hit here. Right. And that's the, 
That's the number for me. And there should be a, enough of a calorie deficit to actually um, lose weight over time. But uh, you know, th- that, that didn't work. And it, it turns out that's because as we get insulin resistant, the, the equation of it changes. And depending on what we're eating, the, the, the way our body actually treats those calories changes too. So, you know, to, to more directly get to the answer here, um, when, when we're looking at something like a one meal a day, like an OMAD, um, it's, it's not about getting in a maintenance number of calories every single day. It, it would be to get in the proper nutrition that we need while also maintaining a calorie deficit that's going to allow us some time to pay back some of our caloric debt that we've accumulated over time. So if you have 20 pounds to lose, there, there needs to be some time to actually burn through those calories that we've stored as long-term fat. So that is going to take some time, but this also is not about just having one meal a day or just having 1000 calories, you know, forever. Right. Yeah. And that, so I always like to use the example of the longest ever recorded fast 380 plus days. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, taking a multivitamin, and that opens the conversation about well, what about those those essential amino acids or essential omega acids or yeah. you know things like vitamin D. So taking a multivitamin plus eating a nutrition nutrient dense plate. So this is something the rabbit hole I've gone down recently, Tommy, where we talk about the insulin friendly lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. So the difference between using fasting to help reduce cravings and lose weight and balance hormones versus you know a low and slow caloric deficit type eat less, move more approach, um, you know, with fasting, as long as you're getting quality protein sources, you're getting nutrient dense foods, you're not relying on the highly processed, ultra processed store bought restaurant prepared foods, then you should be getting a pretty good nutrient dense profile. But, you know, going down that rabbit hole, the insulin friendly foods, the foods that spike insulin, the least, like for instance, like avocado oil, right. Mm -hmm. Has, pretty much no real effect on the insulin level itself, which is the chemical that raises the hormone that raises in the body to help your body process the fuel that comes in and that converts into sugar or glucose. So, um, the reason I bring up nutrient density is as long as you're, you know, let's say taking a multivitamin, eating a balanced plate. Um, we don't eat a lot of fish in this family. My wife doesn't like it. Um, so I always supplement with fish oil, never mind for the cardiovascular benefits and the brain benefits, but for the anti-inflammation benefits. Mm-hmm. So I will typically personally do a vitamin D three, I'll do a fish oil, I'll do a multivitamin, and then really just focusing on making sure I'm getting a lean quality protein source, fruits and veggies, and, you know, any, uh, non refined like more natural sources of carbohydrates, like sweet potatoes, brown jasmine rices, those types of things. Yeah. Great points. Um, and I, I think, I think to round out the discussion, um, it's, it's okay to use OMAD strategically. Like it's okay that it it doesn't have to be every single day. I do dinner every single day with the exact same meal, right? Like the, the body loves to be in a state of comfort, a state of homeostasis. So, I mean, we, we get used to anything, even if you do the exact same exercise regime or, or anything else, you're, you're going to become very efficient at it and become accustomed to it as well. So, so mix things up do some shorter fast, do some longer fast in there as well. And, and OMAD can just be one of the tools in your tool belt. And, and that's, that's exactly where the, the challenge actually came from is right. developing those different tools that you need in your fasting tool belt 
to, to get past just the one meal a day level, get to the next level and keep going towards long-term results. And, and that gets us back to, to Patty where, you know, now she's in this position right. planning for her vacation and that's going to take some, some long-term tools that, that she's gained over yeah. the last month or so. Kind of what does maintenance look like at the end? Well, how do you, how do you want to, my dad always says this analogy, there's more than one way to skin a cat. I don't know what that means or where that comes from. And I, whenever I bring it up, you always cringe. And then I always say, man, I need to Google that and, or stop saying it, <laughs> but <clears throat> you can get there a, a bunch of different ways. Right. So doing yeah. OMAD as a weight loss strategy, fantastic. Um, you know, going past OMAD for short periods of time and then coming back and having days with more food. Fantastic. Mm balance plate, multivitamin, you know, um, getting some movement in. I really like how this, how today's Q and a kind of rounded out with the different perspectives on the short-term scale wins and then the long-term vision. So, all right, Tommy. So with that being said, I want to wrap up today's episode, such great questions, such great conversation. We got to talk about the challenge that's coming up, which we're excited about. We're going to be delivering that, um, on July 25th through the 31st. You can go to the show notes, click the link, you can go to our website, thefastingforlife.com for more information as well. Tommy, as always, thank you, sir. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free fast start guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.